It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, who knows what day it is? Oh, boring. It's New Series Day, Marianne. And I love New Series Day. New Series launching today. Hey, anybody into theme parks? Apart from the beanbags. Yeah, the beanbags, they're well known for their love. Anybody into theme parks? If, uh, if you're into theme parks, you've probably heard of a theme park in California. Um, it's called Disneyland. Anyone heard of Disneyland? See, that's, we are California theme parks, Disneyland. But here's something that the locals know, particularly the Southern California locals know that there is this, America's first theme park, Knott's Berry Farm, which sounds like a very odd name for a theme park. But you can go and look for yourself. I don't have time to go into the etymology of it. It's quite a fascinating story, actually. Um, but some years ago, I was in California, work trip, and I had a day spare, so I thought, I'm going to find out for myself what all the fuss is about when it comes to Knott's Berry Farm. Because you talk to the locals and everyone is bonkers for Knott's Berry Farm. So at Louie, she was back here. I was there for work. She was back here in Perth. I let her know, hey, tomorrow I've got the day free. I'm going to go to Knott's Berry Farm. And Louie was not bothered, not jealous, not envious, not angry. I mean, if I'd said tomorrow I've got the day free and I'm going to Disneyland without her, it would have, things would have gone very differently. Uh, locks would have been changed uh, back here on our house, stuff like that. And, um, but Louis had no interest in going to Knott's Berry Farm because Knott's Berry Farm is actually known for what are collectively referred to as thrill rides. And Louis is not into thrill rides. In fact, Louis's favourite ride at Disneyland is it's a small world. Not only because she suddenly feels tall. Anyway, that's a whole. My, my biggest thrill, my biggest thrill about it's a small world ride is when it's finally over and I can leave and stop listening to that incessant song on Endless Loop. <sighs> Made me happy the first 923 times, but anyway. Now, not only thrill rides, they're, they're very, very famous for several roller coasters, including the most recent installation is this one here called Hang Time. The reason it's called Hang Time is that you spend a disproportionately large amount of your time on that ride. Uh, not, let's just say, vertical. I love it. Anyone else here into roller coasters? Yeah, come on now. Live a little. Yeah. All right. Okay. What about financial roller coasters? But doesn't it feel like we've been riding a financial roller coaster for the last few years? Now, and we hear about it a lot. In fact, when we hear about it, one of the things that the commentators will tell you is that the, the financial roller coaster globally that we've been riding has been the, the, the outcome or the result of the, big, of the three C's, COVID, conflict, one year anniversary of Russia's invasion yesterday, and climate. So that's affected supply chains and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, so these have been driving 
the financial roller coaster that many of us have been experiencing. There's a fourth C, and it's been largely flying under the radar in getting very little airtime. And I would contend that this fourth C is actually the one that's driving the financial roller coaster the most. And yet, paradoxically, it's the one that we potentially have the most control over. And it's this, culture. See, there is something hardwired in our culture that is inadvertently programmed us for endless overconsumption. Just keep spending, just keep buying. And it is driving the changing financial landscape. Now, here in Australia, the Central Bank, the Reserve Bank of Australia, the RBA, and similar things have been happening in other countries around the world. They've been rising, uh, raising interest rates steadily over the last, let's call it 12 months. And if you have a mortgage, you would know this. And you're now paying more for the privilege of living in the home that you were living in prior to the interest rates going up. And the Reserve Bank, one of the things they're trying to do and one of their stated objectives is actually to bring down the rising level of inflation, which is kind of running around 7% per annum at the moment. But actually, that's not their only stated goal. In fact, that's kind of an outcome of a stated goal. The stated goal is to reduce, listen to this people, if you haven't heard this come out of the words of the RBA, it, it, it's been said, stated goal is, is to cause in Australia, people, listen to this, to reduce household expenditure. Now I went to university to study economics so that you didn't have to. So let me translate what reduce household expenditure actually means in everyday language. You ready for this? Stop buying stuff! <laughs> and it's not being talked about. And because it's not being talked about, this, this endless overconsumption, nobody's slowing down consumption. I'm gonna come back and show you a few stats that'll blow your toupee off again. But because Australians are still not, like, like we're just finding new ways. Reserve Bank, you're not going to tell me what I can't buy. I'm going to find a way. I'll come back to that in a second. So this uh, outcome that the Reserve Bank's trying to achieve, it's actually barely moved the needle. Because no one's talking about the cultural disease that is just woven throughout our population. There's two things that rise to the surface when I think about this cultural disease. It is one that we've, we now have increasingly blurred the line between needs and wants. Some people don't even, like, there's a difference. 
Isn't everything a need? No, it's not. And, and here's the problem. We live in a culture that actually tries to define the line for us, right? And just if, if, if we have a level of discipline and we try to define it for ourselves, then guess what? In 12 months time, if we're not vigilant, the line's moved, and, and now, now I'm not going Grinch mode on you. I'm not suggesting no one ever spends anything on wants, but I just say, understand these are not the same thing, okay? And if we know that, hopefully that will translate into us approaching our spending differently. The, the second cultural thing that, that rises to the top for me is in our culture, we've normalized debt. Right? Everyone's got it. Well, statistically, that's not far from the truth. <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's optimal. Let me throw some numbers at you. Normalized debt. I'm just going to give you some Aussie numbers. The average personal loan debt per household is approaching $18,000. Now, by the way, every year when I teach on finances and I'll throw these sorts of numbers out, some people are like, is that all? And then others are like, golly gosh, that sounds like a lot. So again, perspective, but average, it's just personal loans. Average credit card debt per household approaching $4,000. Is that all? Okay, get this one. Here's the new, here's the new entrant. 46% of Australian households currently have buy now, pay later debt. Nearly half. So if you ever kind of thought to yourself, you've got debt and you've said it all, everyone, everyone's got it. Kind of true but it's not optimal. I'll come back to that. Now, if you've got your smartphone handy, scan this, nope. Round flow code, round one, there we go. Scan this and it's gonna take you to something that God spoke through one of his spokespersons, prophet named Jeremiah. And before we put that on the screen, let me just give you, let me just give you the setup. What you're gonna read, and what I'm gonna to read to you, but you read it for yourself. This is a cheat code for all aspects of our lives. If you've ever thought, oh, I'd like a little leg up in this aspect of your life, I'm about to show you something that God put out there thousands of years ago that is a cheat code that we can apply to every area of our life including, and what I'm gonna zero in over these next few weeks, our finances, but not limited to our finances. Listen to this. This is insanely good. This is what the Lord says. Now, this is visual. People that are visual, go, go on a little imagineering journey with me when I read this to you. Stop at the crossroads and look around. That's what we're gonna be doing over this three-week series called Recession Proof Your Life. We're going to be sitting and trying to park ourselves in kingdom culture, despite the fact that we spend Monday to Saturday in our prevailing culture. So we're going to stop at the crossroads and look around. What, what options? What's the best path here? So well then ask, here it is, ask for the old godly way. All right, so that matters. <laughs> but on its own, it's not enough. And walk in it. As the prophet Nike says, just do it. Travel its path, but this is more of a, if you choose to travel its path, because you know the presumption is that some people won't, 
There's a promise there waiting for you. You will find rest for your souls. I wonder if this picture of finding rest for your souls, I wonder if a restful soul is how you would describe your current relationship with your finances. Like, yeah, me and my finances, we're just restful souls. Or not. This old godly way, I, I grew up in a household that practiced the old godly way. My parents lived by the old godly way. He said, oh, that's, you know, of course, that's their generation. No, no, not everyone their age did. It's a choice and, it, and it's a timeless choice. People before them did, people since them did, people before them didn't, <laughs> people since them didn't. My parents never had a credit card, not once, not ever, in their entire life. Miraculous how they could ever purchase anything. Well, they did this little thing called save for it. And then when you had the money, you, not the bank on your behalf, then you could go and buy it, even if it's a want. They found rest for their souls because in their entire lifetime, they never had a debt collection letter <laughs> arrive in the mail because they didn't owe anybody anything. You want to check me on this it, it, earlier when I said like this idea that we're addicted to overconsumption or our, or our culture has hardwired us for overconsumption. Listen to this. In December 2022, two months ago, December 2022, just in that one month, Australians collectively spent $24 billion on credit cards. That's not, that's not the total spending for the month. That's just the bit we know about because we can add up the credit card spending. $24 billion in one month. Five million Australians still have that same debt from December appearing on their credit card today. And many of them tell the story that they don't expect to be able to pay it off in 2023. Now, my parents actually were relatively low income uh, earners, um, but they, they had a very clear distinction and understanding of the difference between needs and wants. I've shared before, <laughs> we went out to a restaurant once a year once on my, sorry, twice a year, once on my birthday and once on my brother's birthday. And I say restaurant very, very loosely, people, because it was typically at that time either a choice between Hungry Jack's, Red Rooster or Chicken Treat. That was it. Restaurant, that was it. That was it. That was literally it. The other 363 evenings a year, we ate in. And I'm not talking Uber Eats delivery ate in. I'm talking knives, forks, chopping, prep, eat in. But that wasn't like, see, this, this, don't, please, for everyone's sake, don't just like discard that as saying, well, that's just, again, that's just that generation. Because it isn't. Because a lot, of, 
it's the old godly way. Now, let me show you a picture as we start this series that you will, well, you'll typically find yourselves in one of these three categories when it comes to your financial world. The, the first one, and, and, and in just in case you miss it, let me put my Captain Obvious hat on. This is the least ideal one category to be in. And I'm calling it the behind. That, and, and, and your relationship with your finances is characterized by that your debt is increasing. You can't keep up with your payments, so your payments are late. Your one Too much, too, much, too much espresso. One pay from disaster, like if it breaks, we're in a lot of trouble. And so you, when you talk about your financial world, it just the, the overriding emotion is that it's stressful. Now, ahead of this, moving forward, you may be into the caught up category where your debt is decreasing, you're making timely payments, you've got a three-month emergency fund, I'm going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, and you would describe your financial situation as stable. Now, before we go into the third one, let me just make two, well, the same observation about these two categories. Some people in the behind category think that that is their life sentence. That's all they're ever going to be able to experience, there's no way forward, they're never getting out of this. And I'm gonna to say to you, that is more dependent on your mindset than it is on your circumstances. Although ultimately your circumstances have a play, part to play in that. And then I've even, you know, can say this, that, that some people who are in the caught up category, by the way, if you've moved up from behind to caught up, well done, well played, but this is not the end of the journey for you. There's something more, there's a next level, there's something better ahead that you can actually get to. You can actually set your faith towards, your vision, your, your, a goal for your, your family, your household, your financial world, and it's the ahead category. Now, for some of you, I'm about to speak Cantonese to you because these words don't make sense. You've never thought about them. You've never spoken them. But people in their head category, they have no debt. Apologies for the uh, design here. They are ahead on payments. So things like insurance, if you pay them like a, a 12 months ahead versus monthly, you will typically be able to get, you know, qualify for a lower amount, save money. Um, they're building wealth. And when they think of their financial world, they're actually excited. They're excited for the opportunities. They're excited for the, 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 the ability to be more generous, to set their kids up with and the next generation up better. Now, wherever you are on this, the, the, the jump off point, the reason I'm showing you, or two reasons I'm showing you this, number one is it's vital to have a very honest understanding of where you are today. Whether you like it or not, but just be honest. That's the starting point. And then secondly, to say it, that doesn't have to be your life sentence. And so instead of, if you're in the behind category, saying, oh, why me? Why does this always happen to me? Why me? Look over to the ahead category and say, God, why not me? Why not us? Why, why not? Like, why not? And so we're going to stand at the crossroads over these three weeks, we're going to look around and we're going to look for the old 
godly ways and we're going to walk in it. <laughs> now, if you're in the behind or the caught up, one of the mistakes you could make is to convince yourself, if only I could just earn more money, that would solve everything. And by the way, it might be helpful, but on its own, it's not necessarily going to do anything for you. The NBA, the National Basketball Association, collectively, they, 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 they collectively the highest paid professional sports people of any sport in the world. Okay, the average annual salary of an NBA player is eight million US dollars. Now, LeBron earns more and the bench warmers earn less, but the average is eight million. And now, I know some of you probably earn that yourselves, but if you don't, then you're thinking, yeah, that sounds like a good number. I could deal with that. Well then, did you know, did you know that 60% of NBA players are bankrupt within five years of retirement? So here's the thing. If you've got no money in your bank account, you share a very same trajectory as 60% of former NBA players who also have no money in their bank account. All right, $8 million, that sounds a bit fantastical. All right, let me bring it down a notch. NFL, National Football League, aka American Football, average annual salary is only $3 million US dollars. Whereas, but 78% of retired NFL players are bankrupt within two years. Like, well, how does that work? They earn all this money. If you spend everything you earn, it doesn't matter if you earn $50,000 or 8 million, come December 31, you've got the exact same place in life. Yeah, they may have some more stuff, which they're not gonna be taking with them. So earning can help, but not in isolation. It's vital that we learn the old godly ways and that we walk in them in order to go towards finding rest for our souls. Now, one of our gurus, one of our go-tos, one of our, the guy we've, we've, we talk and have learned from a lot, many of you have learned from him and his strategies and, and it's taken you from behind to caught up and some of you from caught up to ahead is a guy named Dave Ramsey. I'm gonna be giving him a shout out again next week. Next week, I'm gonna talk about what it looks like to pay down debt. 2022 released his latest book, Baby Steps Millionaires. Now, if your eyesight's not great, let me just ensure, I'll give you the byline. How ordinary people built extraordinary wealth and how you can too. This might be the best 20 bucks any of you ever spend this month, by the way, if you invest and buy the book, invest in the book. And by the way, you have to then read it and apply it. But, but let, me give you, let me give you the context of, of this book. Dave Ramsey's company, US-based company, they actually contracted a research firm to conduct the largest ever study of millionaires in the history of the US, the, the most widespread study to look for patterns, characteristics, backstories, and so on. And then he's compiled some of the findings from that study in the book. A couple of them that, that are, are, are remarkable to me. First of all, 93% of the millionaires basically came from nothing or very little. So they didn't get it from the bank of mum and dad. 93%. <clears throat> then let me 
tell you the top five jobs in this order that made it, that, that, that make the list. Top five jobs in this order. The number one job, engineer. Number two, accountant. I, I, I'm surprised already, right? Number three, teacher. Some of you like, wait, what? Huh? What? I'm a teacher. What? Yeah. Number three. Number, you're, number three. Can you think of all the professions I haven't mentioned yet? Because they didn't, didn't, teacher was number three. Number four was management. You're like, oh yeah, CEOs. 93% of which were just lower to middle managers in their respective companies. And then number five was lawyers. Teachers ahead of lawyers, and no offense, I'm just saying, doctors didn't make the top five, right? Just say, I mean, they're on the list somewhere. <clears throat> and then understand this, the average timeline was 17 to 20 years of working career, making money, and, and entering millionaire status. Which doesn't sound like winning the lottery, 17 to 20 years, but it does start to sound a lot like the old godly ways, that if we learn to walk in them over time, God will lead us to a better place. Solomon knew this. That's why he said, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. You've read the stories about the people that won the lottery and two years later had nothing apart from a new swimming pool. Wealth from hard work grows over time. So these everyday baby steps millionaires spent less than they earned. I'm going to talk about that next week. Automated savings. going to talk about that in two weeks' time. But what they highlight for us is that it actually your income is not unimportant but it's less important than our management of the wealth that God entrusts to us so starting today and continuing over the next two weeks I am going to be teaching old godly ways they are going to sound unglamorous they're going to sound potentially a little boring. And yet for thousands of years, people have been field testing them and experiencing the promise that God has for us all along. Starting today, and this is the starting point of anyone's wise financial management is to put God first. And this isn't so much a financial principle as a Jesus follower principle. It's like, uh, duh. Yet, this isn't automatic. This, that's not something that every Jesus follower does, put God first with their finances. And if you parents have kids that are in this phase or, you've, or they've been in this phase before, the I'm not sharing this with you phase, anyone? I mean, we have a nephew, he's eight years old. Earlier in, in his lifetime, he had a, I'll share everything I eat with you phase. And it wasn't like he's having something and there's something on his plate and he hands you the bit in the plate. No, he's like, I'm enjoying this so much. I want Uncle Mark to experience exactly the same thing I'm eating. So he reaches in and hands you his half-chewed piece of food. 
Sounds wonderful. It was gross. But I like the heart behind it, right? Because chances are, if you've been through the I'm not sharing this with you phase with Junior, you've taken Junior out to one of these restaurants where they serve fries and Junior's been sitting there with the, the, the packet of fries and you've said, reached across to take one of you, asked Junior, can I have a fry? And Junior may have said, no, they're mine. And you've instinctively had the thought, first of all, Junior, may I remind you, you currently live rent free in my house. And secondly, I paid for those fries. Those fries are technically mine. So when I ask you for one, I'm not asking you for one of your fries. I'm wanting, to, I'm wanting to find out whether you acknowledge that I am the Lord of the fries. That I could buy my own fries. In fact, I've had such a good year at work, I could potentially bury you in fries. It's not about the fries, it's about wanting to make sure that you understand who owns it all. And that I allow you, I entrust you with some of it. Oh yeah, I mean, that's hilarious, hilarious. Yeah, well, some people have this same kind of approach when it comes to their salary. Where God says, I want you to put me first. And we say, no, it's mine. I worked for it. Look at the name on the bank account. It's mine. And God's like, yeah, I gave you life. I gave you the opportunity to have that job. I give you the health to be able to work in that job. I've actually opened up opportunities for you to be promoted or earn more. And, and, and I don't want it all back. I'm just asking for some. And if you acknowledge that it's all mine anyway, the fact that you get to keep most of it is kind of a little bonkers. But God just says, but put me first. And by doing that, you, you showing me that you know that it's all mine. And Solomon, put it this way, and you'll find this exact same principle right throughout God's word from the beginning right to the end. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the best part of everything you produce, then he. So this is one of those conditional blessings, which is most blessings are. If you do this, my promise is that I will then do this, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. We don't teach this verse at the Celebrate Recovery course, but uh, just to say it's a metaphor, I think. Um, but, 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 but what, an, I mean, come on. Put it into everyday parlance. Who wouldn't want to have barns filled with grain and vats overflowing with good wine? Wouldn't, like, oh my gosh, my bank account, there's too much money in here. What am I to do? It's a problem. Uh, giving. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. Um, so we, every year, talk about the pattern. Give, save, live. Oh my gosh, the blooming dyslexic graphic designer this week. It was me. Uh, sheesh. Anyway, there's three separate words there. Uh, we'll fix it in post. And this is numbers. Now, by the way, this, this is our best understanding of the biblical approach to financial management. That, that as best as we can determine it, God clearly says, first, when it comes to your finances, first give. That's the beginning. 
then save, in other words, pay yourself because you think that you got paid but you didn't, you're just a conduit for money that goes to Telstra and your mortgage holder unless you intentionally pay yourself the form of savings, we'll talk about that in two weeks' time, and then live off the 80. And now, there's been a lot of toupee blowing off this morning, I understand. Because for some of you, you're like, live off the 80? I'm not even living off the 100. This is a goal. This is a faith, this is something that, that, that I'm encouraging us to set your course towards. Like anything in our faith, it's a journey and it's about taking next steps. And my sincere hope, and, and by the way, we normally teach on this like around May-ish, and I felt to bring it forward just because of just this incessant messaging that I think we're living in more than ever when it comes to finances. This is the only place you're gonna hear this stuff talked about when it comes to finances. This is the only place, church is the only place you're gonna hear about the old godly ways it's the only place. Um, and yet, uh, if we learn them and learn to walk in them, then, then I, I can't state this strongly enough. I pray that it will break any poverty that you have in your life, mindset and circumstantial. That it will break some generational poverty in your life. Oh, my parents are broke. My grandparents are broke. I'm broke. My kids are probably going to be broke. No, that doesn't have to be your future. That we've been test, field testing these principles for approaching 30 years. The old godly ways. Some of you have been test driving them for a similar length of time. Some of you are new to the party, but I know your stories for those of you that are more recent in using the old godly ways. And you're like, Man, this stuff actually works. And it doesn't just work to change your circumstances, like external circumstances, like the, the dollars and cents. It, it works to change this stuff. Pop the hood and, and we experience, when we use God's old godly ways, we experience more peace, more freedom, more joy, more purpose. And, I, and God wants that for you. And I want that for you. Um, so come on this journey, bring, bring people. It's, again, this is the only place in town that you're going to hear this stuff. And, and the great thing about God's, the old godly ways, they actually work for humans, not just Jesus followers. <laughs> I mean, you know, who knew? Anyway, little bonus content, throw to Louis. I'm over time. It's not Louis' fault. In fact, let's blame Jared because um, he's not getting the microphone back to, to defend himself. <laughs> um, if you haven't already, you can scan this QR code. We'll just leave that up, I think, for a little bit longer. Scan this QR code. It's going to open up the Bible app and, and they've got a, a relatively new feature allowing you to set Elevate Church as my church. And what we're doing every Monday is we're throwing up a featured plan, a Bible plan, like a devotional type plan that echoes the topic we've covered off on the Sunday. So tomorrow, there'll be a brand new featured plan in there. And this is about us, just, just another opportunity to stop at the crossroads and look for the old godly ways and then choose to walk in them and get closer to this place of experiencing rest for our souls, that that's typical of our relationship with our finances. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. 
If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.